Yo, what is good, Seas fans? It's Nathan here, aka the Boston Brit. Just before we hop into the pod, me and Tom have been advised by Carol from PR that, you know, this pod may contain some cheeky language. So we kind of have to tell you that before you jump in. So if you're sensitive, well, it's probably best you missed the pod. But anyway, let's jump straight into it. Welcome to That UK Celtics Podcast. Tatum drives George right there. Tatum gets a wide open look. good guys it's tom wade of that uk celtics podcast welcome to yet another episode um again as always my co-host nave monday alongside me nave i think we say the same thing every time especially like right now how are you doing but i'm guessing not a lot's changed not a lot's changed mate i'm still sat in my boxes sweating out on 2k and stuff like that so i'm not really doing too much what about you yeah no Mate, I'm the same, just like climbing the walls with the kids, you know, every single day is just like, I don't know, it just seems like every day is the same, it's just one great big long day, but we have to break it up by days. Yeah, I mean, I'm, but, I'm glad I don't have kids, I'm glad I don't have kids, let's put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> they, can, they can be beneficial sometimes, man, but, you know, sometimes they're not. Um, right, I think let's jump straight into it. Um, obviously, just before we start, I want to just thank like everybody through the first few episodes um we've hit some really great milestones and like i think you'll agree with me Dave. i didn't really expect this podcast to go where it's gone and you know long may it continue so thanks to everybody that's tuned in we really appreciate you and uh, without further ado let's meet this week's guest so this guy is another guy from the other side of the pond he's another guy that works for the the station that i long to work for um, I mean, this. I was doing some research, and things were just crazy. Like, you when you research somebody, it's like, wow! Like, I can't wait to speak about that. So, like, I really appreciate this guy guy coming on. So, without further ado, Max Nederman, how you doing, my guy? I'm doing great, guys. Thanks for having me on. I really, I really appreciate it. Yeah, no worries, man. Thanks for coming on. Like I said, um, yeah. So, Max, I think it's the question that everybody asks. Like. How have you been? What and what what's life been like you've recently? You know, it's obviously been hard considering your schedule's probably normally a hundred times stacked than it probably is at the moment. Oh yeah, I was just thinking about that the other day. Just like, man, this is like the complete opposite of what my body normally feels like uh, at this time of year. Usually, I'm like really like I'm excited and like jacked up for the playoffs. You know, we're in it, but also, you know, just like exhausted you know really tired my body's drained just because you're just going 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 and it's it's towards the end of the season it's a grind uh but now i'm just like floundering almost it feels like just not doing anything uh i mean we are doing stuff we're we're re-airing um classic games and so i do have you know a, a good amount of work to do for that uh certainly not close to what i would normally be doing but i you know like you tom have have to handle the kids as well my wife uh, works full-time from home uh, now as well so it's it's a 
it feels like I'm working a lot, uh, even though I'm only doing a little bit for uh, the actual TV station. But you know, we're getting by. We're we're healthy. We're safe. We feel lucky. So we're not we're not going to complain. Yeah, I mean, I, I completely agree with you. Health is probably the best thing right now, and everything else just has to just has to wait a little longer, I guess. Yeah, but, we, um, we were saying. Nate, I refer to you, like, like I don't know, like you said, you obviously you haven't got kids. Is that is like what what's been your coping mechanism like? Is it the same for you? Is it like always constant drag or? Um, to, to be to be fair, I do quite a lot of my. I mean, it's been quite good for me actually because I've been able to. Kind of honing and to start to do a lot of the ideas that I've had for my graphics. Obviously, working full time and then trying to create the stuff that that I do on my page and my Boston Brit page. It's kind of you know it's it's time consuming. Um, so being able to sit down and go through you know all the get the creative juices flowing and kind of produce some of the stuff that I've done is yeah it's pretty sound. It's pretty cool. So for for me, it's not been too bad. But I suppose for someone like yourself, Max, um, where you know you're like you said you're full on a hundred percent. You're right into the playoffs now. Do you know what I mean? It's it's hyped up. So I mean, it's it, for us, it's a little bit different. But for yourself, you know, how how are you? Um, what what are you doing day to day to kind of, you know, keep keep the keep the urges at bay in terms of trying to get your basketball fix? I suppose. You know, so for a while after uh, after the season was suspended, I just like I just checked out. You know, I just was like, I don't want to listen to any podcasts about basketball. I don't want to watch any of our old games. I don't want to think about it. I was sad. You know, I was like, man, I'm just. It was shocking, and also kind of just, you know, didn't really have time to think. You know, you kind of just like you just have to react to what's happening and just kind of go with it. And it was, you know, you know, it was a little scarier in the beginning, I think, because it was just like, what, you know, it's it's kind of happened, sort of how. I was worried it would, but um, luckily we're, you know, me and my family and my friends are safe uh, for the most part. And uh, the people that I do know that have, have gotten it have, uh, have recovered. So that's, that's good. Um, but, you know, uh, I, the last couple of weeks, I think really the week leading up to the Bulls documentary uh, airing was when I just started, I decided to really, it's like, you know what, I gotta, I gotta get back into it. I just miss it too much. Like I got a hoop. Uh, just for my driveway, just cause I just needed it. And, uh, so I'm, I'm back into it. You know, I think the, cause I just didn't want to, I didn't want to just listen to people talk about like what's going to happen with the season. Cause nobody knows. And speculating about that for me was just like, Oh, it's just, it's just talking about this, the sad thing. So I'm, I'm all about talking about basketball and the games and all that stuff. And, and just, you know, I've been hitting Sporkle a lot, you know, get my, uh, my trivia knowledge up. Um, basketball knowledge wise so uh i've been uh also watching some old michael jordan games on youtube that's always fun i went on a steph steph curry kick the other uh the other night where i just watched a bunch of his great games from that uh 15 16 season um so i've just been just just consuming whatever i feel like and it's been it's been nice uh it's been nice to get back into it but it does it does make me really want the season like right now and I do like, I really, I know it's corny, but I think we're really starting to see the truth of it is that, uh, you know, sports matter. They really do. They, they help, they help like after nine 11 here in America, you know, we really, uh, we turned to sports. Uh, we came together. It's what connects us with our community, you know, just seeing people in Celtics jerseys walking around town and stuff like that. You just like, you just feel a connection with them and, and without the games, it's tough. It really is. So, like, even watching the NFL draft, even though it was all on Zoom, 
I mean, I was zooming with a bunch of my uh, my friends. We're all Eagles fans, and uh, we just zoomed the first round. It was a disaster for us as Eagles fans, but it was fun to just like be watching a live event with virtually your friends with you, um, and then you didn't have to worry about driving home because you were already home. But uh, yeah. I think they're going to try to get the season somehow uh, back uh, or just be prepared for, for next season um, to start on time because even that is kind of up in the air. But they're going to try something. And whatever they try at this point, I'm like, yes, just yes. Yeah, well, it's interesting what you said, though, Max, in terms of, like, you know, after 9-11, obviously, in America, like, you know, everyone came together. And it's, it's, I saw a similar thing. Um, so I was only young with night when it was nine eleven, but you know when when the Boston bombings happened um, on the marathon, and I mean, I've never seen a city. Um, I don't think anyone, you know, I, I love the UK and I love England, but I don't think I'll ever. Well, we we've kind of seen it once with the Manchester bombings when it, loads of people came together and stuff like that. But you know, with with the Boston one, it was I've never seen anything like it. You know, with with Big Pappy at the at the Red Sox game, just literally with his iconic line, "This is our fucking city," kind of thing. Oh yeah, right. That was, I mean, that's iconic. That'll that forever be iconic now. So, you know, it's, it's, it's true that sports, sports, you know, it gives people a, a getaway from their normal lives. Do you know what I mean? So I think it's crucial that we, it's crucial that they come back, but obviously they need to be safe. It needs to be safe to do so. Right. And that's the thing is the testing. I think uh, really got to gear up on the testing. It's just, it's the only thing that matters um, at this point, if you want to get anything started. And so hopefully, Hopefully that'll happen and uh, once you start churning out some tests and that way you can, you know, really isolate people that have it um, because, you know, until you have a, like an, uh, like a surplus of tests, how are you going to justify, you know, testing, you know, sports players, you know, a couple times a week, you know, when there's people that can't get them out there. So I think they just really got to just, once that, that starts coming out where it's like, okay, we have more tests than we even need then then i think things can start happening but you know it's it's fun to think about um the season starting but i'm with you guys i think it's you know it's a little it's a little far away um but like i said i'm ready i'm ready to start thinking about basketball again you know or i've been ready the last three weeks but uh, i did take my little uh mental break because it was just too tough it was too sad to think about hmm. uh, obviously like you were tv media production um is that is that something that you've always like wanted to do and where did it all start for you um so in middle school my brother was in high school and he wrote an essay to my parents to get us cable he was he, we didn't have cable tv we just had regular standard channels and he literally wrote a per, like a a persuasive essay to my parents and they were like so impressed with his his determination that we got cable uh, so I guess it's all his fault. Uh, and so we got a channel at the time. It was called Comcast Sports. And I'm from Philadelphia, so it was Comcast Sports that uh, in Philly. And we got all the games. Uh, it's what the, all the Flyers and Sixers games were on and the Eagles pre and post game show and the Phillies were on it. And it was like Sports Center for just us, uh, just for the Philly teams. And, and it was right when, at that time that I started getting obsessed with uh, Sports Center as well. And so I wanted to be an anchor. I wanted to be like Stuart Scott. Uh, and and so that was kind of the direction I I, I thought of going in for uh, college. And then my uh, first internship was at uh, I came up to Northeastern uh, University in Boston. Uh, my first internship was at a company, uh, a channel that's no longer around called CN8. I worked on a sports show there. And I realized, man, this 
the the control for the show is behind the scenes it's the it's the producers that are making the decisions and like everything you see and and the talent will get the credit uh that's on camera but it's really uh what i thought would be the fun um you know just every single day control and just the building of a show would be uh behind the scenes and so from there i um I got uh, through a producer that I met at that CNA company. Um, he went to New England Sports Network, which is uh, the Red Sox and Bruins uh, channel here in Boston. And I got an internship there uh, through him. And then I got hired as a production assistant while still in college. Uh, and then connections that I made there um, is how I got to NBC Sports Boston. Um, and I just sort of just bided my time. Um, kind of planted my flag in the in the Celtics realm because uh when I got promoted to associate producer there was a bunch of us and we kind of rotated who did Celtics games and then we got a new manager who was who's just trying to make things more efficient for all the shows and he asked me if I wanted to do Celtics just like solely Celtics and I was like before he could even finish the sentence I was like yes 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 yeah. um so I, that was be the season right before Brad Stevens so I've been for all of Brad Stevens uh career I've been the, the Celtics guy and it's, you know, it's been a fun ride. It's, you know, it, there are certainly drawbacks in terms of your schedule and you don't, you know, you don't see your family uh, regularly. Like you see them every day, but not all at the same time. Like my wife is gone when I wake up in the morning and I take the kids to school and then she picks them up and then they're asleep and she's asleep when I get home, stuff like that. But you, you get, they call it work when you just go watch basketball and, and make TV shows. So I'm not going to complain. And it's, it's just a lot of fun. Um, so yeah, that's basically, there's a lot of details I left out, but that's basically it. <laughs> yeah. I mean that just like that story is mind blowing. Like just the sheer determination just to keep going. That's what I want to do to focus in. And like, that's admirable stuff. And of course, I gotta mention it. You actually got nominated for an for an Emmy. Is that right? Yeah. So actually, we uh, the Celtics pregame show just yesterday. We got another nomination. So that'll be um, that'll be my fifth nomination. Uh, we won um, for the 2008 documentary last year, um, and that actually I accidentally put it in the background here. I don't know if you can see it uh, on. I know. If, that doesn't work for podcast listeners, but yeah, so we did win for the, uh, the 2008 documentary. So that was like, you know, a dream come true or lifetime goal. Um, yeah. and really super rewarding. And, and honestly, some of the stuff that I was nominated for that I didn't win, you know, I was even prouder of, you know, I did a, you were mentioning the marathon bombing. Uh, I did like a recap of that whole week, you know, poured my heart into that. And that getting nominated was one of like the greatest feelings, just like, just to really feel like you can sort of impact people with your yeah. sports TV thing that you did um, is just not that it's not that common. It's not that uh, we often where we get a chance to really kind of help people um, other than just entertain them. And that I thought I've really felt like I could help people. And I just, I remember just feeling so much pressure to make it good. And then the fact that it ended up getting nominated, even though I didn't win, it was just, it was a, a phenomenal feeling. Um, so, you know, it's, it's little rewards like that, that are, that are nice. And, and you just want more, you just want to win more. And, uh, you just want to keep, keep helping as uh, any way you can and keep making good, good TV. That's amazing, man. I mean, that, that was going to be my next question. What, what, what was the feeling like when you, when you see your work, you've poured your heart and soul into, what was it like seeing your name 
and seeing the network, like, you know, just nominated. And obviously, he said it's like a phenomenal, like I didn't say it, phenomenal feeling. Yeah, so what was great about when we won last year was that um, I couldn't go because to the ceremony because um, my daughter had her first dance recital. And so it wasn't even a question to me. I was like, I'm just going to go. I want to go to my daughter's recital because, you know, you have these life dreams that when you're growing up and then like you have kids and you're like, wow, I care about them more than myself. Uh, and so I wanted to go to that. Um, you know, I'd already been to three and lost. So I was like, you know, I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to go to this one. Uh, I haven't won before, but you know, I'm not, me being there isn't going to impact if I win or not or don't. And my dad happened to be in town too. Um, like I said, I'm from Philly. So he was up in Boston for the recital for my daughter. And so he really forgot that the ceremony was that night. And I just saw it on Twitter. They were tweeting out, you know, some of the wins and I was like, Oh, that's right. Our, uh, you know, the Emmys are tonight. And like three seconds later, I saw a picture of uh, my manager, who is the executive producer of the documentary, holding the trophy and on Twitter. I was just like, oh my God, we won. And my dad couldn't believe it. And just the fact that he was there and it was, it was yeah. a great, great feeling. Um, and, you know, just, it was like, you never know what it's going to feel like when it happens. And it really it's different uh, than you expect. Cause you know, you, when you're dreaming as a kid, you're like, you're up there walking up, accepting it, doing your speech, getting hurried off the stage and things like that. And it was completely different than that, but it was great. And it just, it just makes you want to keep, uh, keep working hard and, and, and winning more and, and just making good stuff and making your, your family proud of you. Yeah. I love that. I'm, I'm sure you will win more. I, I, I can guarantee you will. I mean, that's, that's a great story, but, like the story of you saying like you had to choose like, and of course being away from your family that you mentioned earlier and then choosing a recital over the awards. I mean, that, that just like, that's proud moment right there as well, isn't it? I guess. Yeah. And it was, like I said, I just, it, it wasn't even a, like it, it wasn't a choice to me. It didn't really, it was like, okay, well the recitals that night, so I'm not going to the Emmys. And then like, and then I literally forgot that they were happening that night. It was just such a surprise because my dad, you know, he's always, uh, always been, you know, such a, an encouraging, you know, both my parents have encouraged me throughout my, uh, my childhood and my adult life. But the fact that he was there, uh, it was just such a surprise because I forgot and he didn't even know I was nominated. Uh, cause I think I forgot to tell him that time. And it was, uh, he was like, wait, what you're nominated. And then we won and he was freaking out. So yeah, it was great. And it did feel a little bit like positive karma for, for doing the right thing, going to my kid's recital. Um, and then, and then that, you know, that reward at the end of the night was pretty sweet. Yeah, 100%. And I, I love that story. That's, that's, that's absolutely brilliant. Um, of course, I'm not, I'm not sure if you listen back to any of the previous episodes that we've done, but the main thing that we're trying to do with this first series is to be like how I got into basketball. So obviously you mentioned earlier that, that you, were, you were born and raised in Philly. Um, so how did you get into basketball? And like, what's your earliest memories? So obviously you said you got the you got the cable and stuff for your brother and, and that, that was kind of cool. So what was it like the earliest memory for you and how did it all come about? Oh, uh, so my, some of my earliest memories of basketball, uh, Charles Barkley tried to spit on a guy and he missed and hit a girl in the stands. And it was like a big <laughs> story in Philadelphia. Uh, I was extremely young at that time, but then uh, it was really, it was really Iverson that brought me in. Uh, I'd gone to a basketball game with my school 
before the Iverson era. And, you know, I didn't know, I didn't know anything about basketball. I was just, remember me and my sister were up in the nosebleeds just yelling rebound, rebound, <laughs> just because people around us had done that. Um, but it was really Iverson that brought us uh, in uh, to love and basketball and in the city, Philadelphia for the Sixers, especially you just need, you need that they need to be winners. Uh, there needs to be a, like a real buzz about the team or else it's just not on people's minds. Everyone's obsessed with the Eagles and the Flyers, really. Um, and then the Sixers and the Phillies, it really depends on how good they are. At least that, that ha- that's how it was when I was growing up. And so Iverson really just was like a shot of juice in, uh, into that franchise and into the city. Um, and that just was like just seeing that little guy go up against those big – just, it was like Isaiah Thomas for the Celtics. It really was. Um, it, that's why I loved IT so much here is because it reminded me of Iverson so much. It was like just this little dude just going up into the trees and just taking hits and still making the basket, free throw line, never missing games. He was, he was always banged up, but he, you know, he played through. You know, he may not have practiced as much, but uh, hey, <laughs> you all were talking about practice, not the game, because in the playing. game he plays. <laughs> I, so I, I always understood what he was what, what the point he was trying to make the delivery might have been a little a little iffy but uh you know he just tried so hard when he was out there and, and it was just something that that I loved as a kid so I was I was hooked uh once Iverson went to uh took that team to the finals you know it was pretty dark after that though um yeah you know but it was just, you know it was obsessed you know and what I love about basketball too is that and it's you see it now still is just that it's always been about the build it's not really even about like the actual championship game we care more about like building to a championship than actually getting there and trying to win it uh and so I would just be you know when I was in college you know they installed wi-fi in the uh some of the classes which was such an awful decision at the time because it wasn't really for any purpose and other than me to go on, you know, message boards and think of Sixers trades, you know, how to, how to build around Andre Iguodala, you know, and uh, God, I don't even remember who back, oh, Thaddeus Young at that point, you know, and so it was a pretty dark time back then. But then I had moved up here and, uh, and started working uh, at NBC Sports Boston. And then once that, uh, you know, the, the Sixers started tanking and the Celtics were getting good or were good and we're just kind of doing their little rebuild. So they never really were good at the same time. They met in the playoffs and I think it was 13, but that was kind of a fluky year that the Sixers kind of lucked out or maybe it was 12. Um, and, you know, they, I, the Sixers took them to game seven uh, in the, I think the second round, but it, it didn't feel like I wasn't like sad that the, the Sixers lost. It's like they're not going to win a championship this year. And now both teams are good and it's, it's a little different. <laughs> yeah, it's produced some great playoff playoff games, I've got to be honest. Like, even in the regular season, like, the season opener from this year, there was just, like, had the feel of a playoff game. I just feel like every time Philly meets the Celtics, it's almost got the feel like the old Lakers-Celtics games. It's, it's become a genuine rivalry, and I do I do love them games. Like, so what's it for you, like, obviously being a Philly guy, working for NBC Sports Boston, do you get, do you get any little side digs or anything, or is it all cool, or do you ever get like a little bit of banter, like, you know, like bouncing off each other, just the back and forth, or is it all like just straight business Celtics? Oh, no, it's, yeah, there's tons of banter. Uh, but it's what I always tell people when I complain about the Sixers on Twitter and they and they uh, they say, oh, why don't you come, you know, join the Celtics as fans? Like, one, I'm obviously, I'm emotionally invested in the Celtics. I really, I, you can't cover a team and, and say that you're objective, you don't care. 
what I always tell people is that I, I am happy when the Celtics win. It just doesn't hurt me when they lose. The, when the Sixers lose, it hurts. It it's, makes me sad. It affects my mood. The only Celtics losses that like really affect me are like the final game of the season when the season's over, when they get eliminated. And that just makes me sad because I just don't want it to end. Um, but it, it is – uh, it would be worse if I was like a fan, like a true fan of the Celtics where I, you know, was too emotional about it because I would just be miserable, you know, and that wouldn't be fun to follow on Twitter. That wouldn't be fun to to see the things that I did um, on TV with because I would just be more of a jerk about it. Whereas with the Celtics, I can just kind of, I can be more objective and, and, and honestly super positive. I'm incredibly negative about the Sixers because I'm from Philly and that's just generally how we are, especially with our sports teams because they let us down so often. In Boston, it's like, you know, people win all the time. So uh, the only real negativity is when they don't win a championship. And that's like, just because it's an absurd standard, but you know, it, it's just, I'm just more positive about it. So I always say like, I, as much as it would be, you know, it would be easier for me to watch the Sixers if I was covering them. Uh, instead of having to come home after a Sixers game and watch it on League Pass, or I mean after a Celtics game and then watch, stay up late watching it on League Pass, um, it's better for my personal health and just for um, my work that I'm not covering the Sixers, that I'm, that I'm covering a team that I do absolutely care about and I just love watching, but it doesn't hurt me when they lose. I'm exactly like the opposite, obviously, as you can imagine being like Celtics and, and stuff like that. I actually like kind of enjoy it when the Sixers, Sixers do lose. I mean, we've got loads of Sixers guys over here in the UK. One of them's a good friend of ours. And it's just like the back and forth when the Sixers and Celtics, it, it is great. It is good fun. So, you know, it's, that is, that's turned into a really fun rivalry, to be honest, with the Sixers and the Celtics. Yeah, it was one of the originals in the 80s, too. Um, I mean, I wasn't old enough to, to remember any of that. Um, but you see some of the fights that they got into. Dr. J choking Larry Bird and him just punching each other in the face. <laughs> I'm not even sure they got kicked out of that game, which is crazy. The NBA was so different back then. But what I love about um, the dynamic there is that both the Sixers and the Celtics hate the Lakers. You know, I didn't hate the Lakers because I was supposed to growing up because uh, they were, I guess, rivals in the 80s. Um, but I hated them because they beat Iverson and the Sixers in 2001. And I just I hold grudges. I do. I'm sorry. Um I'll never forgive them. That's why we booed, we booed Kobe, who was like a proud son of Philadelphia. Uh, and we booed him when he came back for the All-Star game. And he was like all shocked about it. I'm like, yeah, you beat us in the championship, dude. What do you expect? Like, we wish we had a banner and we don't. And it was partly your fault. Um, so that's one, one thing that really connects me with Celtics fans is our hatred for the Lakers. Yeah, definitely. I, I can 100% agree on that when I, like, I hate the Lakers with a passion. And obviously you mentioned about Kobe being being the Philly guy there. That I suppose the reason behind the boo was the fact that he's a Philly guy. He he is Philly guy. And I, I suppose like the biggest disappointment would probably be that he never got to play for the Sixers as the Sixers fan for you, like especially being in his home his home team. Yeah, and we used to hear about him. I was old enough to um to know his name when he was in high school. Um he took Brandy, the singer, to his senior prom. I remember them being on the front page of all the uh, this newspapers at the time in the, the spring of 96. And it was just kind of like, whoa, who is this guy, you know, taking pop stars to prom from Lower Marion? You know, they're the, I don't know if we played them in basketball. I know I was on the swim team 
uh, as you can see by my physique. Um, that was a joke. My physique is not good. Um, but the uh, we swam against them, uh, and but I don't think we played them in basketball. But they were like right in our uh, very close by, but you couldn't get tickets to go see them. They were always sold out. And there was a kid in uh, Camden a couple years later named Dewan Wagner who ended up getting drafted by the Cavaliers the year before LeBron and just flamed out after that. But he was like supposed to be the next Iverson. It was the same deal. You couldn't get you couldn't get tickets to go to any of the games for the high school because he was just too much of a phenom. But yeah, I mean we we there was that dream that Kobe would come back, but I just once he became a Laker, it was just or once he became a Laker that beat the Sixers, I just mm, I just I couldn't it took honestly it took until like right around before uh his tragic passing that I started to even warm up to him again. Yeah. That's how bad I hold grudges. That is, that is deep, I've got to be fair. That is that is a deep grudge like your hometown boy, but like that's that's the rivalry, I guess. That's like the competitiveness of the league, you know? That's that's part of the parcel. You're going to get that. Absolutely. That's what makes the the NBA great. And it's why as much as I'm all for like player empowerment, I don't I don't love the players changing teams as often just because I want to hate guys, you know, and it's hard to when they're, and I also want to like guys like I'm LeBron guy. I got LeBron, LeBron like original Cavs Jersey. Um, I've just always been a big fan of his and him going to the Lakers is just like, God, don't go to the Lakers, man. Anywhere, but the Lakers now I can't like you, you know? So, uh, yeah, I just Especially want Especially when he could have gone to Philly as well. Right, yeah, I never really believed that. <laughs> and I was one of those dumb people that was, were like, well, it'll stunt Ben Simmons' growth. Uh, well, <laughs> I think Ben Simmons may have stunted his own growth, but Yay. we don't need to make this a <laughs> complaint about the 76ers podcast. Um, but yeah, I do I love the the rivalries in the NBA um, and just the, the beef. That's what's great is the, the players – uh, especially with social media, it's what I love about Joel and B just calling people out and just owning like Andre Drummond, just tweeting at him and getting him on Instagram and then just, just backing it up by destroying him. Um, stuff like that is, it just adds more excitement to it. It's what makes the league so great. And there's only five guys. They're not wearing helmets. You can see everything they're saying. Uh, it's, it's just, it's the best. It is. It really is. So like thinking about the Celtics now, obviously I think, it's fair to say, you've been at, have you been at NBC Sports Boston nearly a decade now? Is it like nine, nine years? I think this is your ninth year? Uh, ninth official year. I started freelancing uh, the year before, so this is my tenth unofficial year, yeah. Yeah. Like, in that time period, like you said, you've seen the whole of Brad Stevens' era. You've seen some teams, some great teams, some rebuilding teams, some teams with some serious potential. Like, but what's been the best experience for you What's the best experience you've seen of the Celtics, like being around the team and stuff? So um, the IT year was by far the most fun until maybe this year was really starting to feel like that with Tatum just really just just blossoming into one of the best players in the entire NBA in front of our faces, just night after night, like really like when is this going to stop? And it just didn't. Um, but IT's run in the uh, was it the 15-16 season – was just like I said, it reminded me of Iverson, but it was like I tell people, I'm like, it was like Iverson, but like efficient because Iverson was never efficient. He was just a volume shooter. But when you're a kid, that didn't matter to you. You didn't look at stats, you didn't look at effective field goal percentage like that. You looked at points per game, that's it. Uh, but yeah. IT just 
having one of the greatest offensive seasons for any Celtic ever was just just a joy. He carried that team as far as he could, and the just the magic of that playoff run, the tragedy to start it. I mean, another uh, weird happenstance that the night that his uh, his sister uh, died in that car accident. The, the night before the Bulls series started, my sister just happened to be in town too. So it was like, I was like really sad because she was there and it just made it so like more close to home. And, and then to see how he responded and just, whew, what a, what an emotional roller coaster that season was. Uh, and then for him to get traded too, was just, it was such a, like a confusing feeling because you felt like you just loved him and you just loved that thing that happened that you just experienced those emotions and then but you also were like this is a good trait I mean it's it's the right thing to do for the franchise but it just doesn't feel right and it ended up being the right thing to do but it also kind of a wash because you know Kyrie was an absolute disaster um, yeah. I mean he's a great player but oof, I don't want to have anything to do with that guy again what a miserable yeah I can imagine, especially considering like you guys had to deal with him like post game and stuff like that. I bet that, that that was proven very difficult at times. I can imagine. Oh man! Um, so the players usually start. Um, we start getting their uh, the sound in from the locker room. Um, rate rate the block before I go on for my segment, and so I always have my IFB in my ear, and I'm just getting ready and futzing around. Um, you know, walking around, uh, you know, I'll be in the bathroom sometimes just making sure I don't have something in my teeth, you know, things like that. And I was in, uh, I was in the bathroom just looking in the mirror. I wasn't, so I don't want to make this gross, but I was just in the bathroom looking in the mirror on one of his, uh, one of his nights where he was just saying some crazy stuff and all, I could just hear it in my ear. And so it's, it's a delay on the TVs, like through the cable boxes. So I'm getting it before anybody that's out in the newsroom. And so I come out of the bathroom, like turn up. Kyrie's about to say some crazy stuff. I think it was the LeBron. Uh, I had to call LeBron thing, and I'm like, yeah. you just, you're just making a story right now. You're making a national story for no reason. Um, and and it wasn't even that. It was just the way he treated people. It was just like, man, you're great at basketball, but you're just you're exactly equal to all of us in terms of being a human being. Yeah. Like that doesn't make you better than us as people just because you're way better than us at a sport you know it doesn't make you smarter you're actually dumber we've proof because you think the earth is flat um, that's a really stupid thing to think <laughs> i mean they has got a great big opinion on that one i think that's something for you Nate, the old flat thing oh yeah i mean he's yeah well he's he's an idiot he? let's be honest but i mean the the the, the, the the most annoying thing that i found within those two seasons was the fact that on paper that was a championship winning team. That roster was meant to be Banner 18. Uh, like, there was no like, you could, you could look around the league, like no one else would have, if everyone was in their, in their zone on their game, that, that, was, that was Banner 18. So the most frustrating thing obviously for us is, is Celtics fans. It was, you know, and that was it. That was literally, it, was, it was just anger. It was pure anger towards how toxic he turned the organization. You know, and everyone, all the players obviously were saying like, obviously Terry Command was like, oh yeah, no, it's not. It's not Kyrie. It's not anyone like that. No one's. No one's toxic, kind of thing. But as soon as Kyrie left, I said the floodgates opened, and everyone was saying, "Yeah, well, uh, he wasn't the easiest to deal with, and stuff like that." And I mean, it's, it goes to show now what we brought in Kemba. Completely different. Completely different outfit. 
And I mean, like, like well, we said, Tom, in our previous episodes, like, this, this season feels more exciting. This season feels, even, even though, you know, we, we all know that we're not necessarily, a, you know, not necessarily a full championship contender yet. Because um, I think we need to do stuff. We need to, we need to get some power on our bench and we need to get a dominant centre. But other than that, you know, this team is, this team's exciting. I mean, I love, I love being able to tune in because for the guys like us over here, you know, some of most of our games, if we're on the West Coast, they're at like three, four in the morning. So, mm. you know, there's quite a lot of people out there uh, who stay up, literally stay up all night just to watch the games. And I think last season I did it a couple of times and then the West games, I just caught up in the morning because I was like, I can't watch, I can't yeah. watch this team. I can't watch them just cave and fall apart anymore. So, uh, yeah, I mean, so th- this season, I feel it's been more and more and more exciting. So, in terms of your take on this season, are like you, you, mean, you, you kind of briefly touched on it earlier, you know, this is kind of an exciting team that we've got. But, you know, it's, what, what are your feelings of the season, how it's gone so far? So, it was, um, they just exceeded expectations. And that's, uh, I think Scal pointed it out. I don't remember when he did. But he said the only thing that matters in Boston is that you exceed expectations, is that you either meet or exceed your expectations. If you underperform, even if you win 56 games, if you were supposed to win 58, that's a failure. Um, and so it, it's just the level, uh, that's where the level is here. And the expectations weren't very high this year. And so that's why I felt kind of nice going in because it's just like, let's just, let's just enjoy basketball again because the expectations were not met the year before. Um, there were, there was more blame to go around than just Kyrie, but it was his fault for sure. Um, you know, he could have, he could have done a lot more to help that situation, but he won't. It's just not who he is. Uh, he's done it in every stop. So, you know, we don't need to, to really break that down. Who gets, you know, the blame pie, you know, just blame Kyrie. Um, and that's, that's fine with me, but this year was just kind of like a clean slate. Let's see what happens. I'm excited for Kemba. Um, let's see how, uh, Jalen and Tatum are. Um, and that's basically it. And it ended up being so much better. Uh, they had that win streak early on, and um, they were beating good teams. And Tatum wasn't even playing all that great early. I mean, I think he was getting around 20 points here and there, you know, pretty consistently. Um, but then he just took it to a whole nother level. Gordon was playing great too. Um, Gordon got hurt a couple of times, but when he was healthy, he's just been – back to being Gordon Hayward and you can see how valuable that is. And Kemba has had struggled. Uh, and just all you need to know about the difference between Kemba and Kyrie is that imagine if Kyrie Irving played in the all-star game after missing the game before the break with a sore knee and then played in the all-star game and then missed four games with the same knee injury um, afterwards. I mean, we would have crushed him. And nobody said anything about Kemba because Kemba has – we knew that Kemba, his heart was in the right place, that, that it wasn't something where he sacrificed for the – you know, to play in the All-Star game. It was just something bad happened and it wasn't, like, malicious or anything like that. And we gave him the benefit of the doubt for that uh, because he earned it because he's done nothing but be a good team player. Um, and he has gracefully – seated ownership of the, the team to Jason Tatum, it feels like. And I just can't imagine that happening with Kyrie. Uh, that was, I think, one of the issues last year was that he just w- needed to still be the, the alpha dog. And you got these young pups coming up that are like, well, we're really good too. Um, and now and now it's not a question. It's not a question. Tatum is the guy. He is the star. 
you know, a lot of people in PR departments clearly knew that because he's been in commercials since he was a rookie um, after that one, uh, after that rookie season. I remember just being really surprised that he was in a Gatorade commercial with uh, Pulisic and, and Serena Williams. I'm like, wow, that's, you know, that's, you know, Pulisic is like the great American hope for soccer. Serena Williams is, I would say, arguably the greatest professional athlete in any sport ever or in the conversation at least. Um, and then there's Jason Tatum. And I was like, wow, they really have some high expectations for him. And you know what? They were right. Because he is, he is turning into a, a Kawhi Leonard type player uh, where both ends, he is, he's not the dominant force that Kawhi is on the other end, but he is a, a two-way player that those are just, that are just dynamic on offense. That's really hard to find. And so credit to Danny Ainge uh, for seeing what nobody else saw and making a great trade and making a great pick because, you know, it's great for us because the next 10 to 15 years, you know, we'll have a, a star. And Danny, we trust. That's what we always say. And Danny, we trust. Obviously, obviously he, loves to, he loves to finesse the 76ers when he can. Oh, man. It's, he, did, he did that with that trade 100%. <laughs> oh, it's his favorite thing to do. I remember at the time, it, was such, it seemed like such a good trade for the Sixers. It was like, wow. Like, and I immediately was like, I am not comfortable with Danny Ainge trading with Brian Colangelo. There's nothing about this that makes me feel good. There's, there's got to be something. Because it was like, it just makes too much sense for the Sixers. You get the guy that fits perfectly with Simmons and Embiid, and you don't even uh, you like the pick. The Kings pick was top one protected, so the Sixers would have got it if they won the lottery. And it was just like that's insane. Like, why did they do? They didn't have to do that. But Danny knew, and apparently he knew uh, that there were some grumblings uh, about Fultz, uh, just kind of lackadaisical attitude. Just didn't really the shot didn't really look. It didn't look as bad as it ended up being, but it didn't look great in the the Celtics workout. Um, but man, he knew something. Yeah. I think it was really it was less negative about Fultz, I think, and more just like he was really sold on on Tatum. And something that Kevin O'Connor at the Ringer um, had always pointed out about Tatum when he was in college was his footwork. He said the footwork is just phenomenal, and I re- and I immediately remember hearing um, uh, Popovich. I think it was probably a season or two before Tatum uh, when they were asking him about Kawhi, some of the Boston writers uh, when the Spurs were in town, like, what did you see in Kawhi? Like, did you know he would be such a great player? And Pop was like, I'm not going to lie to you and say that I knew he was going to be this good. Uh, We just thought uh, he was, you know, he played, uh, you know, just as a big pretty much exclusively in college, but we thought he had the footwork um, and mechanics there to, to be, to play the three and to extend his game out. And the footwork thing always stuck with me. I'm like, and if you look at Kawhi, it's it's beautiful. I mean, and watch Tatum. And it's something that when they drafted him, I went, I did a Google search and and went back as far as the the news articles would go with him, and I found a bunch of scouting reports of Tatum when he was in, you know, like fourteen years old for Team USA and Slam Junior or whatever the the Young Kid magazine is, and it, they were just talking about polished inside game you know footwork great plays with maturity has a killer instinct and it was just like it's crazy to me that we that i wasn't sold on him going into the draft it's like why i mean you read all those things and you you watch the production but for some reason we questioned whether his shooting that was good would still be good for some reason i don't know i mean there's always a case that we're working there it's always like everyone has you know it's the same with zion obviously he's hyped to hell um, I couldn't. Well, we we spoke about it previously. Like, you couldn't imagine the pressure that he had to come in on his first game. 
especially with his injury and stuff. But in terms of like Tatum, um, you know, because over over here in the UK, we don't tend to have. Um, we we never see any of the NCAA games. We we never we don't get that opportunity unless we're unless they're thrown on YouTube or something like that. Um, so you know, for us, when we watch the draft, as soon as, as soon as the, the draft boards come up on like you know NBC Boston or something like that, like we're all everyone's there googling, they're researching that certain player. Then, but I mean, like we 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 I always remember when Tatum got drafted, um, and I always remember everyone getting really hyped about it, and. You know, I did this. I did the same as you. I kind of like researched and went back and just, you know, saw that everyone was saying a polished, a polished guy. And I thought, okay, well, obviously Danny's just finessed the 76ers again, and obviously played out and it's panned out. And I mean, he is. I've said this to Tom, and I've said this to like, the other guys in the UK that I, I believe that Tatum's going to be an MVP in the next uh, like four years. I reckon uh, he is going to be a league MVP if he continues like he is. And the fact that he hasn't got a ceiling, and the fact that he's got the guys around him. I want to help him grow too. And he's got a great coach like Brad. I mean, he is going to be, and he's going to be an formidable uh, NBA player, hundred percent. I tell you what, though, the thing that you that just is so uh, encouraging about Tatum is that he is he doesn't he just the wiring with him. He doesn't seem to really care about like the glitz and the glamour of being a star. Like it just. He's just he's just seems a little bit more simple, like like Steph and Clay were. I remember hearing stories about how the different the reason that Clay Thompson got um, so much better at defense and so much better at ball handling, and obviously he was always a great shooter, but like really just grew as a player was that he's just kind of a dork and likes playing video games and hanging out with his dog, you know, and didn't want to go out every night. And you know, that's the vibe I get from Tatum. He's just he's a mature guy, um, you know, doesn't have these like you know, dreams of being, you know, in rap videos and stuff. Not that that's a thing that really happens anymore. It's dated reference, but, um, you know, but he just, he just seems like, uh, he's okay, uh, to just practice and be awesome at basketball. And he's, he's a worker. He's a worker. And that's what Jalen is too. Uh, I remember, uh, you reading scouting reports about Jalen coming out of college and it was just the work ethic. You know, he's a, you know, he's an intellectual. I mean, people actually thought that that was a negative that he, he actually had interests that weren't basketball. Like, you know, in um, kind of the academic or academia uh, world, but that has not prevented him from growing every single year um, into, you know, what could be a great uh, number two to Tatum's number one for years and years to come. And um, it's just, it's just a credit to, to Danny's philosophy with drafting. I think that, you know, the players that he's missed on usually, and generally that's, later in the draft, not early in the first round. Um, but there, it's usually like because of character issues or like just not a great work ethic, like James Young. I remember asking uh, one source, you know, what's the deal with James Young? Has he just not got an opportunity, been unlucky, or is he just not get it? And they're like, he doesn't get it. He just doesn't get it. He doesn't understand the work that it takes to be a good basketball player. Um, and he was a project. He was a, a projection. And he did not pan out because he just didn't have that, that work, that drive, that hunger that – it's surprisingly, or maybe it's not surprisingly, but like I would say a ton of people don't have uh, a ton of NBA players because they know with their God-giving talent, they sign a guaranteed contract. It's like, great. I just made, I'm a millionaire. My family's set. So, you know, now I'm supposed to work hard. So some guys, that's just, that's just how it is. But the Celtics are usually pretty good about getting guys that have that, um, just that, I don't want to call it brain damage, but like, cause that's like Kobe and like Tom Brady type brain damage where they're just like, 
psycho like jordan like psycho like really obsessed with uh with just destroying everybody um you know because those are rare breeds but um but the celtics are good at getting guys that are high character and work and want to work want to put the work in and just fight just fight for their team to win like marcus smart yeah i agree with you and i think like we've had the conversation before me and nath i'll take that all day long over a team of superstars that have just got no interest and they're not 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 interested but like like you say haven't got the right mindset i i believe i take five guys on the court with the right mindset the hunger to improve year game on game year on year month on month i'll take improvability over stability if it's not going to get you to where you want to be as a franchise you know it's all it's all good make just scraping playoffs or making the playoffs and being competitive in the playoffs but i believe it's another thing like yeah star talent's going to win you championships of course it's going to but i believe if you've got a team that trusts in each other that can take you a lot further than perhaps having a star or two probably could Right, and it's how you build. It's how you build a team that a star wants to come to. Um, and honestly, the stars generally have that that right kind of uh, kind of mindset. There are some that are just you know so good that they don't need to. But you know, for the most part, like the LeBrons of the world, they're you know they're dogs. They're always working um, and improving the game. Um, LeBron has actually always been incredible. It's I don't know last time you went to his basketball reference page, but it's pretty stupid. He has just yeah. been consistently awesome his entire career but he has grown uh, as a player in so many ways to the point where he's now just where now people can ask if he's better than jordan or not um whereas before it was like you just get punched in the face if you if you try to bring that up but um yeah. you know the the work is is huge especially in boston i know like most cities uh, um have like kind of a blue collar feel but um it just really i remember the so the the one bad year um, that I had to cover was the one year that they missed the playoffs on uh, Brad's first year after they traded the big three and yeah. they, uh, they got the six pick. And I remember talking to one of our, uh, our, our college, our, one of our anchors who was also a college, who's now a college uh, analyst, I think for CBS, but Dallin Cuff. And I was asking him about, Marcus Smart, and he's like, man, he's a worker, he's hard, uh, he's a, you know, he's a great defender, and I just said to him, I was like, man, at least, like, that's all we need. The like, ratings are going to go up because you just, the fans just want somebody that just dives on the floor for the ball, that just tries to win, that just is like a, a psycho with, about it, and I had no idea that Marcus was going to be to the level that he is, but yeah. I was just, like, really excited for, like, just, just someone that goes balls to the wall all the time. Uh, and and that's what they got, and that's honestly sometimes that's all you need. Exactly, I've said it a million times. Marcus Marcus Smart to me is the ideal Boston Celtics player. He is he is the ultimate Celtic. If you ask me, Tatum and him are the most likely, I think, to get their jerseys retired on this current group. Yes, obviously Marcus is you know, my my favorite player on the Celtics. He is. You know, I think I think he is the epitome of what a Celtics player should be with his, with his greatest determination. He, he comes off a sick man, and he always gives you a game. He always gives you a hundred percent. You know, and I feel, you know, he is he's got that kind of descent of, you know, attitude and and, and way towards the game like KG had. Um, like KG is a is a big character. I mean, I've watched so many clips of KG, and I've obviously heard so many stories that Carl's told me some, and um, obviously, you know, you the story where he was in the dressing room and slapped the food out of the physio's hand and because players eat first and that kind of stuff. So, I mean, 
Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with Tom. Like, give me five, give me five Marcus Smarts all day. Um, oh yeah, 100%. yeah, I, I definitely agree. Marcus Smart, five Marcus Smarts, you're winning a championship to me. But um, yeah, I've, I'm hoping this signal. So signal, right? I'll just get into it now, quick. Yeah, do it, mate. Do it. Cool. Right. So Max, basically, every episode we get a guest on. We we like to play a little game or two to uh, to wrap the pod up. So basically, I'm going to swing uh, one of the games to Nathan in a second. But firstly, I'm going to put to you a trade. Uh, so you've got a start bench trade situation. Um, so I'll give you three players. You got a you got a start one, bench one, and trade one. And like I'm thinking, do I go? Do I go all time? Do I go right now? Or do I go throughout your career with, with NBC Sports Boston? So what I'm going to do is, I'm going to say, you've got, you've got Paul Pierce, you've got Kevin Garner, and you have got the third one. See, this one gets me every time. We'll go, I think we'll go for, oh, Jalen Brown. <sighs> so... This are these guys in their prime, or they're in the Celtics prime at least. Celtics um, prime at least. So all right, so KG's what 31, 32. He's defensive player of the year peak. His first year with the Celtics. Um, you can't trade him. Uh, you can't cut him. So KG's got to be KG. I mean, he's. Um, Paul Pierce is one of the greatest Celtics ever. KG is one of the greatest players ever. Um, so I'm keeping KG, uh, and I just like I can't I can't I would lose my credibility if I didn't just bench Pierce and trade Jalen. Besides, also think about it this way: Jalen uh, is a nice got a nice contract. He's young. You can get get more in return for him. Get some more assets, and you know Danny loves assets. So I'm gonna trade Jalen. I'm gonna I'm gonna bench Pierce, and I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna start KG. I, I, I agree, I agree. So let's say, obviously, you're trading Jalen. I'm going to put you in Danny Ainge's shoes a bit more. Where where are you trading him to and what are you getting back? So I thought um, at the beginning of the season, before I saw how good he, he came back, uh, his finishing's just been phenomenal this year. Um, but I had thought if you wanted to solve your big problem, I was looking at Indiana, someone like Miles Turner, um, but I don't think that's a fair trade anymore. I think Jalen has uh, exceeded that range yeah. to get something back uh, better than that. Um, but you know, I'd have to see. Um, he would be. He would need to be in like a Towns type uh, package where you'd you'd be moving him and um, and some of your uh, your draft capital, and you'd probably need contracts. Um, I don't have it in front of me, but something like that. He would need to be the centerpiece of like a Towns type deal, where where Carl Anthony Towns is uh, has decided he's done with Minnesota. He tells the team they uh, go looking for a trade, and um, the the days of having Tatum in that conversation are gone. Uh, Tatum, I think, is untouchable, and I don't think anybody's going to disagree with that. And Jalen's probably pretty close, but Carl Anthony Towns is what 24, 23, 24 years old. Um, absolute stud. Um, I know that I've argued with many people about his winning, uh, you know, they're like, is he a winner? Can't defend, but you know, Brad has a great 
uh, track record of getting guys that can't defend to defend. Uh, he, he knows how to um, scheme around guys. Like they had a, you know, they went to game seven with Isaiah Thomas, you know, who just, not that he didn't try on defense, just couldn't because he's like my size. Um, uh, so, you know, and Cantor's been, been a positive, I think, a lot on defense this year. Um, Tice was, I thought, always a good defender, but just he's got, and even guys like Kelly Linick, who who couldn't really move as well, but like were just kind of smart. He used them the right way. So uh, I would think, you know, a Carl Anthony Towns would be, you know, one of the, he would be a great fit, I think, uh, with the Celtics, just because he's such a dynamic offensive player. Um, but it would be interesting to see him in like a, as a number two guy. Um, behind someone like someone like Tatum, and by the way, this will end up being a rumor for sure uh, in the next couple of years. If it hasn't already, I've already seen people talking about the Celtics going after Towns. That's what uh, Celtics fans like to do. Is just uh, and it's good for my business because it gets us talking. But people love uh, <laughs> find their favorite player, and they're like, "Oh, the Celtics are going to acquire this guy." And uh, yeah. it generally doesn't happen, but uh, sometimes it comes close. Like they had a shot at, at Durant. I did not think they'd get a meeting. They were one of six teams to get a meeting with him. Uh, so you never know. Yeah, I think actually, like touching on town, the rumors on towns. I'm not starting the rumor myself. I'm just going to say that. But I'm pretty sure we've heard rumors that he. I think it was back last season, or it might be the start of this season. I can't really remember. But I'm sure that there was word that he wanted out of Minnesota. He was fed up of not getting what he wanted. Yeah, there was a. Um, that was the beginning of this uh, this season, and. <laughs> The problem is like he's under contract for like four more years, uh, and it's just there's just no way that they would trade him uh, unless they got a, an incredible offer. But they're not going to like take a demand seriously. Like, okay, cool, that's awesome. Why did you sign that contract yesterday? Uh, yeah. It's like when Kevin Love complained. I'm like, dude, you signed with a team that had already lost LeBron and the year yeah. before traded Kyrie. So like, you're you're gonna have to sleep in the bed that you just made. Um, and it's the same with Towns. Like, uh, I, I think he was just venting frustration um, about just the lack of progress with the team. But um, he he's under contract for a long time, so I don't I can't see them, you know, taking a trade demand seriously. But I, you know, you never know. People can get traded, so you know anybody's possible. Anything's possible, right? <laughs> Anything's possible. <laughs> Yeah, I, I totally agree. Anything can happen when it comes to trades, and especially like we saw with the Isaiah Thomas thing and the Kyrie thing come out of nowhere, really. We knew Kyrie wanted out. IT, IT obviously got shipped out with Jay Crowder, and it, it really started something. But like you said, it can come out of anything, it can come out of nowhere. But I mean, I'd love to see Towns on the Celtics. I'm not going to lie, I'll be a liar if I said I didn't. But do I see it happening? Probably not. But I love that trade, and you know. If if you were the GM, I'd 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 100% back that trade. And you know, Danny, Danny's a star hunter, man. He really is, and he got one in Tatum. Uh, but yeah. that doesn't mean he's going to stop. I mean, he's he gets uh, panned all the time in the media. They they crush him for accumulating assets, and then you know, let's let's look at the track record, and it, it turns out that almost every time he's right, uh, and some of the times he's wrong, he gets lucky because. You know, he really loved Justice Winslow and, you know, the godfather offer to the Hornets for the number yeah. nine pick. And Michael Jordan just really loved Frank Kaminsky. So he did not accept it, it was like three <laughs> draft picks, including an unprotected Nets pick that may have even turned into uh, Jalen or Tatum. I don't know. Uh, but it was one of those like, 
boy, that was a bad idea, but hey, you got lucky. Uh, and yeah. sometimes that's all that counts. And I, you know, you just, you just can't really argue with Danny's strategy of accumulating assets and, and kind of just knowing when, look, if you're not a championship contender, like if you're not right there, um, then don't trade draft capital for a quick fix. That's not going to get you to another banner. Um, I think if, if it weren't for the Rose rule, Anthony Davis would be on the Celtics um, at least for one more season uh this year and Kyrie Irving would probably still be here and Jason Tatum would be uh turning into a superstar uh down in in New Orleans potentially with a guy like Jalen Brown with him because that's what it would have cost probably something like that so but he couldn't and I think right now I'm really glad he didn't because as good as Anthony Davis is I just I just love watching these two young guys develop and uh and just grow. Like that's the basketball's about growth for me. It's why I love the sports, why I love shooting by myself, you know, in my driveway or like um in the gym back when gyms were a thing that we could do. Uh not for anything other than just to see more shots go in the more I shoot, you know, and and when yeah. you see a guy grow like that, it really, it's just like an inspiration. It's it's inspirational, you know, and you can take it to any any phase of your life that might matter cuz me getting better at shooting by myself doesn't matter but I can get better at other things. Uh, and it takes a, a kid who's still only 19, even though he's actually uh, what, 22 now um, to do that sometimes. Yeah, I, I, I agree, man. Um, so Nate, I'm going to swing it over to you for the, for the last segment of the, of this week's episode. Um, doors open. It's your, all yours, my guy. Okay. So the final game that we tend to play of our guests, well, we are, well, we've kind of done it with the other one so far. It's okay. You are you are the GM of the Boston Celtics. We will say this it's because it's a Celtics podcast. We're not going to say the Sixers because we're not we're not about that life. But um, okay, so you are the GM of the Boston Celtics. You get to pick your starting five. This is a fantasy draft, so everyone in the league is healthy. Everyone in the league is available. You get to pick starting five, and at the end of this season of the podcast, we're going to accumulate all of the guest teams. We're going to create a bracket. We're going to play. We're going to sim it on two K along with mine and Tom's teams, who me and Tom are going to say ours until the end of the season. Um, and then, you know, we're going to see who's the champion. The champion's going to get that UK Celtics podcast t-shirt. So there's a lot on the line, Matt. So what who you <laughs> Okay, so I got a starting five here, and I can just pick anybody I want. Anyone you want. All right. So I might surprise some people here with my point guard selection. And really shouldn't surprise anyone, but... I'm a big Steph Curry guy, so I'm gonna I'm gonna write down Steph Curry, because uh, I gotta have that floor spacing and don't sleep on the passing. Um, really great passer, great ball handler, um, shooting guard. Let's see. So I'll go to my center next because I'm gonna Joel Embiid. Come on, gotta have JoJo on my team because uh, he's a force on both ends. Uh, that's what people sleep on uh, with him. He is such a difference maker on defense. Uh, he doesn't have the block shot numbers anymore because they don't even try. They don't even go after him. Um, so my other big, let me see here. Um, well, I guess I'm going to probably need LeBron on my team, right? If it's free, free players here, we're going to go LeBron. <laughs> um, so I don't know if I'm going to put him uh, as a three or a four. Uh, let me just think about my two. Is it required that I have a Celtic, by the way? It's not required, but I mean, this is a Celtic podcast, so Kyle didn't pick a Celtic <laughs> either. <laughs> no, he didn't. No, he didn't. 
So let me guess. He, he probably had Jeff Teague on his team or Brandon Knight. Those are first team all Draper guys. He loves he loves his uh, score first, do nothing else point guards. Uh, <laughs> all right. So for my, you know what? LeBron will be my three, and I'm going to put uh, Zion just because. Come on, I don't know what his rating is going to be in 2K, but who cares? Uh, he's just too fun to watch, and that's a dream front court right there with LeBron, Zion, and JoJo. And I got Steph, and I'm going to need a sharpshooter. And I don't want Harden on my team. He's too boring to watch. Uh, <laughs> so I'm, you know what? I'm going Bradley Beal. Because I got, um, I'm not sold on Zion as a shooter, even though he made like, what was he, four for four his first game from three, but I don't think he really shoots many uh, since then. But Embiid can, he can hit him as long as he doesn't shoot too many. Good. Um, LeBron has gotten really good at hitting threes. And if he's open in the playoffs, he's making it. It's just, you know, and Beal, he can shoot him with the best of them. And Steph Curry's the greatest three point shooter in the history of planet earth. So, um, you guys are screwed. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I agree. (laughs) That that is a, that is a, that is an absolute dream starting five to be fair. It's well thought out. I mean, everybody else we've had on has been like, oh, 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 oh. like, well thought out of. That's built like everything. Like you said, you've got every possibility there. Yeah, Zion. What? You're surprised with Bradley Beal? I suppose Bradley Beal. I thought you would have gone somewhere different, like a Lowry or something like that. Yeah, no, I think with Beal, um, he's a little little underrated just because he's on a a crappy team, but. you know, he's he's more than just a shooter, too. He reminds me a lot of Ray Allen uh, when Ray Allen was in his prime. Uh, he's not the shooter, I don't think. I mean, because Ray is, like, if if, Ray, Curry, Ray, if Curry's Ray. one, Ray or Reggie are, are two. Yeah. Um, so, um, but he's he's damn close, and he can, he can fill it up. He can score. Um, I mean, I don't remember if he's a good defender or not. I don't think he's terrible, but he probably hasn't had to try on defense in many years. So I, I'd have to check 2K's ratings. Uh, I'm not going to lie. The only the most recent 2K I have is 2K14. So he was, I believe, a rookie. Or no, he was a second-year guy in that one, but uh, I don't remember what the rating is. So. Embiid, wasn't even, Embiid wasn't even in the game. Uh, Zion probably wasn't even born yet. Uh, and LeBron was LeBron, LeBron. Was the best player. <laughs> well, Max, like, I think that's an absolute brilliant place to leave it. Obviously, I wish you the best of luck in that in the tournament where we run it at the end of the season. Um, and of course, best of luck to you and the guys at NBC Sports Boston. I hope you guys get back giving us the coverage that we love very soon. And obviously, you also stay safe and continue bringing them awards home to Boston, you know? It's, it, I say it many a times, and I'm not saying it to blow smoke because you're on the pod, but to me, like, you guys are one of the main reasons I love this team. Like, the coverage is just, uh, it's, it's um, no one can compare to it, you know? I mean, give me NBC Sports Boston any day over any other, any other platform. So, we wish you the best of luck with that. And of course, thanks for coming on the show. It's, it's been a, been a pleasure chatting to you and you know just hearing your stories and stuff like that so i really appreciate that well guys it was a lot of fun it really was a blast and thank you for those kind words and and absolutely thank you guys for for having me on and 
and hopefully we can uh, get back to some some sort of normalcy sometime soon and uh and maybe just get some games so we can see we can yeah. watch tatum and marcus and all the guys 100 100 tom said like tom i reiterate you know thank you so much for coming on um it's it's been a pleasure and obviously stay safe and you know yeah like you said hopefully boston basketball's back very soon all right guys thanks a lot thanks max really appreciate it man so that's the end of this week's that uk celtics podcast we're back next week with another episode and be sure to like subscribe review and share the pod but until next time people peace